If you are in a difficult marriage and feel alone, or if you know someone who is, I have written two books that will bring deep resonance and encouragement. My first and only novel, World Split Open, and Surviving in a Difficult Christian Marriage. You can find the links to both of those in the show notes. Hey, sweet ones. Welcome back to the All That To Say podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Klein. On this podcast, we talk about the hard stuff. A, because I've been through a lot of it. B, because most of you have too. And C, because I believe that we have a God who lets us learn some things the hard way, but also who helps us grow and change. Today, I'm going to share about how I messed up in my first marriage. I have given plenty of thought, obsessive amounts of thought, to my ex-partner's role in the demise of our marriage. But as I'm learning and relearning, there is always more than one side to each story. In fact, I believe there are three sides, yours, mine, and God's, otherwise known as the truth. And then actually within each of those three sides, there's also my perception of each, your perception of each, and again the true perception of each side. Okay, so yes, there was abuse and addiction in my first quote-unquote Christian marriage. And I was released to legally separate by a group of people in leadership at my church. And I was then served divorce papers. And I now believe that I had biblical grounds to separate and divorce based on the Old Testament's teaching that abandonment can be defined as cruel and or intentional mistreatment of someone, and not just a physical abandonment, but also emotional abandonment and neglect of marital care. But still, there were so very many things I did wrong in my first marriage. Before I jump in with my list of how I was a bad wife, I want to also toss out there that through this whole time, through my entire marriage that was hard and that I did all the bad things I'm about to list off, I was also completely wanting to be a good Christian and a good wife and a good mom and to have a good marriage. And I was trying. Oh, my lands, girls. I was trying so very hard to be all of these things. And I was praying so, so much. And I was reading the Bible and I was doing Bible studies and I was reading marriage books. And still I was also doing so much wrong. Okay. So this actually, this kind of list that I'm going to rattle off, it comes in two parts. The first I sort of compiled probably like fairly right after my divorce. And then about a year later, when I'd had some more healing and counseling and time to think and all of that, I had like an additional list. So I'm starting off with my fairly fresh divorce list from my divorce list of what I thought I had done wrong. I got married too young. I got married when I knew I shouldn't because A, I felt the spirit nudging me And B, others had counseled me not to, mainly because we argued so much during our courtship. And, okay, some of these I'm going to be riffing off of (laughs) that I don't have written down. 
Um, a friend of my then fiance's pulled me aside one time and said, and I'm quoting him, he treats you dirty. And I remember being very defensive that he did not. Um, but that's, it's very telling. Um, once we were married, I yelled a lot. Um, I had what I sort of came to learn was a, a word of that I was a rageaholic. I raged um, to the extent that my my throat would be hoarse, um, that I would hit this uh, like emotional wall where I would just kind of stop because all of the like adrenaline would sort of just drain out of me. And I would be, I sometimes I'd fall asleep out of the out of, post rage. Um, I was cruel. I was critical with my words. Um, I tried to protect myself. I didn't serve him enough. I didn't build him up enough. I didn't respect him. Okay. I'm going to take a beat on this one. I used to argue that once I felt he deserved respect, I'd begin to respect him. I'm sure for those of you in hard marriages, I, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Um, but then I started to sort of kind of come to a place of that there's maybe like two kinds or two levels of respect, that there's like an earned respect and there's role expected respect, for instance. And so I'm still talking past of what I used to think. So this is like phase two of what I used to think. For instance, I used to think, well, I might not respect president of the United States, so-and-so, but if he walked into the room, I would more than likely stand and clap just because of the role of president. I'm not even sure I believe that anymore. Um, I think there's, uh, there's earned respect and there is... Um, just human being to human being respect. He hadn't earned my respect, but as a fellow human being, I should have respected him more. Um, I prayed for him and I prayed for us, but I probably didn't do it enough. Um, you probably can't pray too much. Okay, so now things take a, diff a slightly different turn as I continue on with this list of like what I compiled right after my divorce. Um, those things I just listed off, I, I, I felt like a crappy wife all the time. Like those things, like I knew I was wrong in doing most of those things. The list that follows, these are things that I didn't know how to do any differently until looking back, until it was too late. Um, these things used to not feel like things that I was doing wrong. So for instance, um, I had no boundaries, but this was before I really was able to um, kind of hone in on the fact that I was a codependent um, and in a codependent relationship. So I had no boundaries and thought that's what marriage was. I was needy, beyond needy. And so I would take any and all attention. I even stirred things up into arguments because yucky attention was better than no attention, like a child does accountability. Okay. This was a weird one for me. So things were going on that were outright sinful and wrong for like a majority of our marriage. 
and I didn't call him on it. I used to think that wasn't my job, but the job of another godly man. I now realize that it's part of a partner's job. That's what a quote unquote helpmate can and should do, but gently, of course. Okay, help. <laughs> I asked for help. I asked for so much help. You have no idea. But then when I didn't get it, I would stop for like another six to 12 months. I would sort of crawl back into my shell. I would try to keep wading through. Um, I say this even though we went to nine counselors and met with other couples and I read so many marriage books, but I never spoke the full truth of the entirety of our marriage issues until four months before we ended up separating. And when I did, when I literally laid our marriage out on the table at a local diner for another couple from church to sort of take a look at, to like say everything out loud, I said what I should have said 10 years before, which was, I'm not saying I'm sinless, but I'm saying this is wrong. This is not how a marriage should be, let alone a Christian marriage. And I can't do this anymore. And I'm begging you to help me. And I'm begging you to help my children. And I'm begging you to help us. I should have and could have said that 10 years earlier. So again, that's just my perception of it. There is still my ex-spouses and how God sees all of it. Um, I hope in all the years that I've been doing this work that I have never given the impression that I thought I was like the victim 100% in a hit and run marriage because I wasn't. I was a full participant in our dysfunction. Um, another thing that comes to mind um, is that when recounting the end of my marriage and my part in it, I sometimes would say things like, I didn't call out sin early enough. I mean, I just said that. And that statement is 100% true. I 100% didn't. Okay, but when you read or hear that statement, it's sort of a passive aggressive, only half admission of guilt. Because what I'm really saying in those words is that someone else was doing the sinning and I didn't righteously do enough about said person's sin as I sat there all holy. And that's not what I mean when I say that. And yet I totally and completely mean that because... Hopefully not as much anymore, but I used to really like being the victim. I relished it. I was good at it. I, I, if there were a Nobel Prize for victimosity, I, I'd have a trophy on my mantle. <laughs> um, like, see, I didn't stand up for what was right, you know, early enough and long enough and correctly enough. What was me? It was so hard. Boo-hoo. Um, so... More of the list. A, year's, a year goes by past my divorce and I write more. I was mean. Um, this one I didn't write down, I realized. I don't know, but it, it came to my mind. I had four, one, two, three, four emotional affairs. Let me be clear. Maybe I'll do a whole podcast on this at some point. They were one-sided. None of the four other men knew that I had feelings for them, but that wasn't okay. Um, this is a big thing. I didn't let my then husband be who he wanted to be, which is something I am trying to do completely differently in my current marriage. I think that will be at one point, another podcast episode. Um, so when I say that though, I don't mean like I should have just let him 
fill in the blank, fill in the blank, fill in the blank with not good things, with sinful things. I don't mean that. I mean, earlier on, I could have just not tried to force him into this Christian mold of a good Christian husband because I wanted to have the perfect little Christian family. I mean, what would have happened if I just let him be him? Um, if I hadn't been so critical, he couldn't win with me. He'd, you know, take one step forward and I'd be, I'd be upset and critical that it wasn't two or three steps or that it wasn't the steps that I wanted, or they didn't look the way I want them to look. Uh, another thing I maintained everything. I was a control freak. I still am, but I'm so much better than 20 years ago. Um, I basically, I don't know if I outright told them or if I just kind of implied, I told the members of my sweet little family how they should behave, even though one of the members of my sweet little family was a grown up. Um, I was desperate to make sure no one really knew how broken we were because other than my marriage, I loved my life. I mean, A to Z, I loved my life except for my marriage. And I was selfish and stubborn and I was scared to risk it all like blowing up in my face. So I was the supervisor in charge of image management of my little family. Um, one thing that came to my mind back then was that, you know, I used to say I wasn't myself during all those years and in huge parts I wasn't. And yet it's not like I was locked up in a closet. I still lived a really big full life. I kept me busy so I wouldn't have to look at my marriage probably, but maybe more so. So I wouldn't have to look in the mirror and at my heart and at how sinful I was being and how much pain there really was and what it might actually take to really try to turn things around. Not just get him fixed, but get us fixed. Um, when I prayed, a lot of the prayers were things like help me change him, release me. And I get all those prayers. I really do. Um, I cared much more about my perpetual pain than I did the pain my then husband was living in. Listen, if there's an addiction, the addiction is not the, um, that's not the problem. <laughs> the addiction is a symptom. So I wasn't really too interested in digging under the addiction to find out what was going on with him. Um, I just wanted the pain to stop, but I didn't want to have to do the hard work it would take to get us to the other side. Now I ended up doing huge amounts of hard work, but not until 15 years in. Um, it was sort of like, give me a list of things to do to help save my marriage. But um, A, I'm going to come up with the list and B, I'd better like the list. I was selfish. I was a brat. I was unkind. I was disrespectful. I was critical. I was not a good wife to my first husband. I would not have wanted to have been married to me. And if I were my then husband, I might've acted and reacted the way he chose to act and react. Okay. <laughs> Please hear me. I'm not trying to like put myself down here. I am absolutely not justifying what went on in my marriage because it isn't justifiable. There were awful, horrible things done and said. But back then, and even now, I'm trying to look inside. I'm trying to be honest. I'm trying to be true. I'm trying to be real. But hear this as well. Most of the time, my heart was in the right place as, as much as I knew back then. 
pre-Al-Anon, pre-whatever. Um, and most of the time, I didn't know any other way but what I was doing. Those are not excuses. I messed up so very much, but I need you, my sweet listeners, to know, and I need to remember that I wasn't intentionally horrible to another human being for 20 years, but I was unintentionally horrible for a good deal of that time. And it's important that I own that. And I was and still am so very sorry for that. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. When I think back on my marriage ended now about 12 years ago, I sometimes still cannot believe that was my marriage and I cannot believe how much pain I was in and I cannot believe I was the wife that I was and how much pain I caused. Though again, not to justify, but hurt people hurt people and I was so very desperately hurt so much of the time. My heart was in shards and shards are what came out. So listen, if you are in a marriage, good marriage or bad marriage, there are things you can do to bring more wholeness and peace. And no matter what things are going on in your marriage, you are 100% responsible for you and your thoughts and your words and your actions. I don't say to minimize the pain you're going through, but there genuinely are things that you are responsible for. So much of what I did back then was reactive, but I was still responsible for it. It doesn't make it okay. If you're in a hard marriage, please don't make the same mistakes I made. In fact, my course marriage methods is everything I wished I'd done differently the first time. And if you're in a sweet marriage, thank Jesus truly. And thank your husband for loving you. Okay. I'm sure I could keep going, um, but I won't. <laughs> I'm going to post a link in the show notes to marriage methods and a few other resources, including um, my free and confidential marriage assessment, my free 14-day marriage challenge, and a couple other things. As always, if this episode or the All That To Say podcast has been meaningful to you, would you consider sharing it, subscribing it uh, to it, rating it, reviewing it, or even financially supporting it? Any or all of these mean more to me than you know, and thank you to each one of you who has done any of those. So sweet ones. All that to say. No matter what kind of marriage you're in or whether you're in a marriage or not. And truly, no matter what kind of wife you think you are, you are the unconditionally beloved daughter of God. And he is so delighted with you. You came into this world and you start each day already completely loved with no other loves to beg for and nothing to prove to anyone. Till next time, so, so much love. for sponsoring this episode of the All That To Say podcast. Around here, we talk about the hard stuff because I've been through a lot of it and so have you. And therapy has been a monumental part of my coping and my healing since I was in my early 20s. Well, BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and it's 100% online. 
With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time, schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. And if your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash all that to say. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash all that to say.